What is worth more, art or life? Is it worth more than food? Is it worth more than justice, Joe Copping? Well, Jake, thank you for that uh, very interesting question. And uh, welcome to our listeners uh, to the Boring Twenties podcast, where myself and my uh, good friend Jake will be discussing two of our chosen topics from the week's events. And as as Jake has alluded to, one of the topics this week is to do with the recent attack from Just Stop Oil protesters, where they threw a can of tomato soup over uh, Van Gogh's famous uh, painting of Tomatoes. Yes, they did. So what did you make of the whole episode, Jake? Tell me your thoughts. Well, for our, for our thousands of, of listeners, let, let me just give a quick run through. So on Friday the 14th um, of, of September, a few days ago, I don't know if you can hear that in the background, the glorious sounds of Shadwell, the explosions. Um, welcome to London. Um, so on the 14th of September, um, two young girls, obviously um kind of crazy 14th of october wasn't it oh yeah of course sorry sorry that's all right on the 14th of october yeah 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 sorry already um i'm so distracted don't you can make that out in the background like going on okay i'm here to fact check everything you say (laughs) yeah um so on the 14th of october i do apologize um two two girls went into the national gallery and decided to throw Heinz, waste, waste of Heinz tomato soup onto um, Van Gogh's sunflowers. Um, and it was quite interesting. I don't, know if you, I don't know if you picked up on the fact that um, they had 30 seconds to um, take off the top of the, of the tin, um, throw it on there, and then sit down, put glue on their hands and stick themselves to the wall before anyone reacted. I'm not sure if you, if you picked up on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I did see the clip myself and uh, other than I think one or two uh, horrifying noises in the background, a couple of extreme gasps, um, there wasn't much of an initial reaction. Well, there, there was nothing to it. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but if you've, when I've in the past gone, gone too close to a piece of art in a gallery, there's usually some, you know, some pretty bored and, and, and dull um, supervisor running up to you, screaming at you to step step back. Um, so I'm not sure how on earth these people managed to have a good 30 seconds. Firstly, you think, fair enough, maybe 10 seconds to undo the tin because it looks a bit sus and you don't really know. But then after that, you have, you know, another 20 seconds of tomato soup dripping down the portrait, <laughs> dripping down the picture and uh, with no one reacting. And then you have a group of 10 people taking photographs. Um, so, so it's quite interesting. You, how, how come this is this is your your chosen topic? What what about uh, this uh, attack on Van Gogh's artwork has sort of caught your attention? Do you feel particularly strongly about it? Well, obviously, I'm being, but I, I think it just shows how ghastly these people are. Uh, yeah, these people did. What, 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 what? Well, to go back to the the question that you introduced this podcast with, what is more important, art or life? Art. Um, absolutely not. You can't. Um, what's the point of living if there's no art in the world? I mean, it's as simple as that. These, these people, these people are desperate to live in places that look like Milton Keynes. Well, absolutely no individuality. This was not Milton. Ke- uh, sorry, sorry to any of our listeners. Fine town on all accounts, but. Um, Jake, this wasn't necessarily an attack on art. I mean, at the end of the day, the bottom line is the painting lives on, the painting survives, uh, and 
you know, at worst, there's been some minor damage to the frame. All this is done. All it, Jake, all this has done is uh, perhaps uh, put the issue of climate change out into the out into the world and got podcasters like yourself and I talking about it. Do you if think only, if only climate change itself was so far out into the world as comparison to um, the hysteria about climate change. You know, if, if climate change matched the hysteria, then we would all be dead by now. I mean, what, what really drew my attention to this is the fact that um, the media did everything it could straight away to start justifying it. So I found I found a really interesting article reading up about this. Um, originally on The Conversation, um, a um, page online that has academic <laughs> rigor and journalistic flair um, as the subtitle. And it was... Um, three arguments why just oil um, was right. And I think if you're having any um, supporters of that, they have a problem. If someone's going up in an art gallery and throwing tomato soup, by the way, just even on the frame, these frames are worth more you know, than most people's houses um, and destroying them, then it's a problem. And no matter what you do, no matter what opinions you have, rule number one is you can't go around destroying other people's things or things that don't belong to us. Um, that um, painting doesn't belong to us. It belongs to, hum- to humanity. And we're just the inheritors of that right now. We're the ones who are living by it. And if you have a situation in which two people, two spoilt, posh young girls, um, looking for some reason, as they always do with diet pink hair, um, trying to destroy that and taking that away from humanity, then then naturally I'm going to have a problem. So to answer your question, what's worth more, um, art or life, I'm going to say art, because as I said, you know one wants to live in, for example, a modern city. Would you rather live in, I'm not sure, would you rather live in Munich or modern day Berlin? I mean, you, you can't you can't live a life without art. Yeah, I, th- I think one what what struck me is uh, when when they did the protest initially, and they were in the process of gluing themselves. It they they to quote them, they said, "Are you more concerned about the protection of a painting or the protection of our planet and our people?" Uh, to which I would say, it's not even raw. I don't have to choose what's. <laughs> well, I mean, first, first. What, what, what I would say, what I would say is, in comparison to uh, these other sort of climate movements. Extinction Rebellion's the, a famous one, and I hadn't heard of Just Stop It before this, but so far from all I've seen from an outside perspective is this climate activism has targeted road traffic more more than paintings. Yeah. Now, now, I've had an issue with the, the, the protests on the road for many reasons, but particularly when you hear cases of ambulance not being able to uh, get access to someone who's called an ambulance for a medical reason or whatever. So I very much view it as... A publicity stunt that's got people talking about it. At the end of the day, the the painting lives on, und, un, undamaged, um, and 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 we're talking about it now. The reason, the problem I have with this sort of activism in general is I was actually listening to an interview. Uh, I can't remember his name, but a BBC journalist. It was on BBC Two about half an hour ago. Having, having a conversation with Greta Thunberg, obviously the personification of climate activism. In that um, interview, he asked her, do you ever feel it necessary to go into actual policy and practical detail? To which her response was, no, because that would just get distracted. The whole point is to raise awareness about the issue, which these people, again, that was their justification. 
Now, until there comes a point where we actually discuss the detail, I'm, I'm not sure how much more like we can do to raise the, the attention of this topic. It's not like it's a secret. Um, well, I mean, when you, when you have your societal policy and your environmental policy dictated to by um, a, I'm not sure how old she is anymore. She was always like five years old. Years so. old hang on, hang on, wait. Um, on this, this actually, a, a, another point that's worth mentioning on this is this protest that we saw the weekend. This was in uh, in relation to the government's plans to continue more gas and oil projects. Most re- most recently, the Liz Trust government, unlike the Boris Johnson government, opened up to the idea of fracking again. Well, firstly, is- I'd say don't 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 hold your breath. Um, on anything that comes out of Liz Truss's mouth. Um, I'm sure she'll say the exact opposite within about the next 30 seconds. Um, damn right. I mean, Britain's not exactly a particularly good place for fracking. Um, um, first, it's too small, it's too noisy, and it's too chaotic. You can do fracking in Nevada in the distant desert when you, the nearest house is 500 miles away, but you can't really do it um, in the lovely bucolic countryside of Suffolk where, you know, you're going to be mowing over and, like, you know, going under poor Dave's house. Um, England's finest county, of course. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, but I want to go, go back first to something. Like, I'll, I'll, take, I'll, take, I'll take these things respectively you said about Greta, Greta Thunberg. Um, the first thing I was going to quickly go back and say is, look, I, I don't want to hear a word out of her mouth, really. I, I admire her, the fact that she went over the, the Atlantic in a boat and it took her two weeks. I have a lot of time for that because at least she wasn't as hypocritical as the rest are. Um, But talking about, you know, um, whether these things could be justifiable and you mentioned the fact that, um, you know, there was no damage actually done to the painting. It's not the point. Uh, One of the things I read in this article was um, they were saying that direct action is important. Now, realistically, you know, you could easily say, that um, if you're if if you're the, the context is if you're protesting and trying to get a message, direct act, um, direct action is really important. It doesn't really matter what, it's, of course, it takes. Um, and so, for example, like the guy in this article, a man called Ollie Mould, horrible Dickensian name. Um, if you're um, if you're explaining yourself, you're losing. It's like that that can justify almost anything. I can, I'm pretty sure Osama bin Laden would say the same thing. Like, I don't have to explain why I'm blowing up, why I'm flying planes into the Twin Towers. I'm just doing it because direct action is necessary for, you know, for the cause of jihad. It's like, no, you don't get to say that. You don't get to start saying, well, there's no damage done. If you plunge a knife into someone's heart, but they still they still survive and they miraculously recover. It's like you know, you don't you don't you don't get to say if if the intent's there and you carry out an action that causes people harm. Yeah, but Jake, this the, the whole point of this action in particular is not to cause people harm. It's to prevent future harm or indeed highlight the existing harm that's happening as a result of climate change. There's and this- it's asking, and it's asking, is the harming of art, which didn't even actually impact in the end worth it to to raise those issues well no because if you if you harm the most precious things we have as a society and as a species then you're harming humanity more than you're harming one person there's we we can't forget that we are what we produce Um, and in many ways the high you know art demonstrates who we are and what we've actually managed to achieve so for example if you if you start tearing up um 
every every list or um, every screening of let's say Beethoven's Seventh Symphony and say no no well I'm not actually doing it. I'm doing it for climate change um, and you know I I can do this by the fact that um, you know that I'm not actually harming anyone else in the process like no you are harming people you're harming future generations if you can go around you can't try and justify destroying our greatest achievements because if if that's so then. You know, if if that's so, let's just go around and start destroying everything because nothing matters. Only 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 we matter. Am I, am I allowed to remind you that the painting wasn't destroyed? It wasn't even harmed. No, it's not the point. As I said earlier, it's not the point whether it's harmed or not. If the intent's there, like by the way, I'm I'm sure they had absolutely no idea. Obviously, you know, correct me if correct correct if if if, if you're listening if 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 the two people who threw. The, the tomato soup are listening to this. Please don't hesitate to reach out. But I'm pretty sure they have absolutely no idea no, there was a glass Jay, pane. I'm, I'm actually, again, I might be wrong on this, but I'm fairly sure that they targeted that because they knew there was a glass glass frame protecting it. I might be wrong. No. We, haven't done, we haven't done our research as we should have on that. But I think... But as I say, if you, if you two girls are listening and you're out of, um, cust- out, of, out of custody at this point, please get in touch. Let us know, let us know what you're your Come on. Yeah, come on. Come on. Come <laughs> on. Um, become, become friends of the show. Um, and no, look, I mean, whether, whether they do damage or not, the intent was there to destroy yeah. it. And, and, and the first, the first thing, let, 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 if you read into their justification for doing it, um, and you're listening to their to their screeching, then absolutely, you you you, you can infer that that they they intended to destroy us. Do you think criminal prosecution is necessary and stuff like that? How would yeah, you? Yeah, obviously. Yeah. In the same way that's like, you're not allowed. You're not allowed to tear things down or destroy things you don't no, like. I agree. Well, no, I agree. In terms of the the, the sort of tearing things down, I assume you're referring to events we've seen over the last three or four. Well, like years. Edward Coulson. Yeah, like Edward Coulson. Yeah, of course, I've got sympathy for for you when it when it comes to that. But on this on this particular case, it's very much a uh, like I said, I'm not particularly. Uh, losing sleep over it. I don't think it's caused as much damage as some of the previous um, sort of forms of activism that Just Stop Oil and Extinction Rebellion have taken. And it's getting people talking about it. It's, I agree with climate change, there's all this talk about it. I'm a bit fed up of just calling for the need to talk about it more. We need to actually develop detailed policy about what we're going to do because at the minute I I don't see any of that. Someone good, like me. I mean, I mean, I mean, good luck with that. I mean, there's nothing we're going to do about it, and or it has already been as as already, has already been shown. Um, there's nothing that we can do about it. But what we can do, the bare minimum, is make sure that our prized possessions aren't being smashed up or or, or destroyed, or at least you know. Let's, let's say to to me, it, I don't draw a distinction. If you're trying, if you have people who are out. To start to vandalising as what happened the cenotaph or Winston Churchill statue in London, you don't have you don't have the right to say, well, we didn't actually do it. You know, we didn't take it, we didn't tear it down. It's like no, but you defaced it. Interesting. And it's interesting that you've drawn those comparisons because you know I feel very strongly about the defacing of Winston Churchill statue. It's something I stand against completely. And I think the, the people that did it, correct, oh, Churchill, the, I mean, the, I mean, the racist thing. But do you, do you actually view that as the same thing? Because that was part of the yeah. sort of, when Black Lives Matter was in its, the height of its sort of aftermath of George Floyd's well, death. I mean, do, you, do you think there's a comparison between that and just the oil? Yeah, absolutely. It's almost, exa- it's almost an identical, identical situation. The difference is, like, for example, the difference is, by the way, I would have to actually correct 
both of us on this. There actually was some damage. There was damage done to the frame. Yeah, no, um, no, no, hence, no. hence why, hence why um, they actually could press charges. Um, I did say that, Jake. Yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. Just so enraged. Um, but um, like you know, like again, it's the same situation. You, people manage to scrub off the um, infantile um, spray paint on Winston Churchill's statue that said "Was a racist." Um, we, people manage to scrub it off. Wise and intelligent, and um, I, I think caring people manage to do that. And the same thing. What happened to what happened, what happened that for it as well? Yeah, and what happened to the cenotaph down the road? Yeah, like people saying. Um, is that what you, you know, these people are racist? Is that what you think of your precious statue? It's like, no, absolutely. It's like, absolutely, that's why we're taking it off and why people go out there the next morning to scrap it off. It's the same issue. It's, I, don't, I don't think it's the same at all because that, that was part of a spate of attacks on sort of historical monuments in this country and part of a general thing sort of that's been happening in the last few years on the Western history and Western tradition. And it's historical figures who no doubt are contested and had views at the time that we don't relate to now. I don't think this is part of that. I don't, I, I just don't see the comparison to be honest. Well, I, I think it's well, firstly, the, the comparison stands obviously. But this, this wasn't an attack on Van Gogh or Van Gogh's beliefs. This was thrown at a famous painting to raise attention to it. The Churchill and that cenotaph, they were specifically chosen because of what Churchill was chosen because of what he represented and what he stood for. This this Van Gogh painting. Again, again, no, 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 no. Again, the reason why the Van Gogh painting was chosen and not the picture next to it, for example, is because it Sunflowers by Van Gogh is one of the most famous paintings in the world. They are, these people wouldn't even, because for example, in the National Gallery, no one please um, get the idea of doing this, you know. But there's a giant, um, like twenty meter um, Raphael in the National Gallery without, without, by the way, um, a glass pane in front of it. People have had no idea that was done by Raphael and the importance of that painting. And hence, they didn't attack it. People attacked Sunflower specifically because people knew, who, um, people knew who painted it and what it means and how important this thing is. That's why it was um, attacked and not some, some other painting, which is much, which was certainly much more accessible. Um, but I will say there's something that I find quite interesting, which goes back, actually goes to the heart of the of the arguments and, and part of the problem you're dealing with when, as we mentioned a moment ago, um, the fact that nothing's going to happen and what um, action could be taken against so-called climate change. And it is that I find it fascinating. So just the oil that came out over the weekend, you had, uh, I did a bit of digging on this, but... Um, the Just Up Oil are, um, receives a donation of $500,000 um, by um, Getty Oil, um, a company working um, cooperatively and in conjunction with Texaco, the major oil firm, um, supplying petrol and diesel to, um, to people in their cars. And I just think, what can you do with people who are so ideologically possessed that they go and attack things that are... 100 200 years old 1888 yes yeah um old and thus sustainable by the way because there aren't many other ones of those um yet the people who are already or screaming just up oil for maybe an oil paint for, for an oil painting are being funded by major oil companies 
And it's like, what the fuck do you do with that? Yeah. How on earth do you combat that? Because these people just don't care. Um, and they see it. They, they get their free T-shirt, get to be on national TV for a couple of days um, doing something, yet they're funded by big oil. I mean, and what's your take on that? I mean, that's a fascinating point. Um, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't like to go into it too much because I've, 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 I've no idea what to what to say to that. Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. Uh, but the, and George, there's many cases of that where where certain certain groups, whatever, have sort of dodgy funding or funding that doesn't doesn't quite fit with their agenda. But yeah, it's uh, that's an interesting point, and that, that's I think that's a good one to to linger on actually for our for our listeners and uh, my my mum <laughs> for them to make up their own mind what is worth more um art or life um moving on to the second topic uh my my own topic of, of choice this week uh relates not to actually a current current uh, affair as such but uh actually a tv show on itv called the walk-in now, just for just for anyone who's not aware the walk-in covers the plot to kill rosie cooper labor mp in 2017 and discusses or or shows the relationship between Robbie Mullin at the time, a member of National Action, and Matthew Collins of the Hope Not Hate organisation. And it, I found it a fascinating watch, Jake. I don't know if you've seen much of it, but just to see the... Uh, the sort of behaviour of that National Action group and how they glorified the murderer of Joe Cox and how they they really were serious about killing this Rosie Cooper MP. And if it wasn't for the conscience of Robbie Mullins having the bravery to reach out to hope not hate, because the police at the time were pretty ineffective as well. It could have been uh, a tragedy and uh, a lady could have lost her life. What, what were your thoughts? Um, well, sadly, you know, I, I haven't I haven't got around to watching it. So, well, I tried to watch it, but I realised the dialogue was was too um, too highbrow for me. So I so I had to give up on it within the first thirty seconds. What do you but, mean? What do you mean? Well, it's just too intelligent for me. I, my my tiny brain can compute it, but I would say um, it, it it seems to me that I hope this um, hysteria is over. Um, and what I mean by hysteria is not the fact that an MP always lost her life, but rather that um, a bunch of incels without life, without hope, um, you know, conveniently, um, with, with full of hope and resentment, um, I'm sorry, um, with hate and resentment and absolutely no hope, um, are going around. Well, I hope, I hope, um, quite honestly that they, um, that this is an age and a crime that's beginning to die out. I don't, particularly, I, I don't particularly see it as is, and naturally people are bound to, um, copy one another and imitate one another. So what happened to Joe Cops was always bound to happen to someone else soon. Um, and it did, and it did with David Amos. Yes, yeah, but that, but that is a different issue. I mean, that was, you know, that that was committed. Um, that that crime was Islamic terrorism. Um, of course, but but, but I, sorry, just on the but the two things that they that both have in common is the safety of members of parliament. It's it's okay. concerning in this day and age. But you are right. Let's not digress too much because that is a separate topic. Yeah. Okay. Fair, fair enough. But I mean, um, in terms of parliamentary uh, safety, what we learned um, through these cases is obviously that um, Britain is becoming a very uncivilized place, and um, going MPs going out and meeting their local electorates has been a part of British history now for the last four hundred years, um, and it truly began to take shape in the early eighteenth century. 
Um, and it seems to me that it'd be a terrible, terrible shame if we actually started to lose that. Yeah. Um, go, go, can you go into a bit more detail for, for both myself and any listeners? Sure. Of course. Um, into the investigation. So the investigate. Well, I'll, I'll go into detail into the into the docu, not documentary, but the drama. It basically follows how Robbie Mullins from Widnes up in the northwest of the country. It's all sort of based in Warrington, based in in what I describe as predictable areas. You know, very white areas, very economically deprived, and as a quote from Hope Not Hate. I think demonstrates perfectly the economic and political consequences of globalization and deindustrialization are now supplemented by new trends. Now, I think this form of right-wing activism or far-right extremism um, was covered in the in the drama by just showing the sort of lack of opportunities that people have. For example, Robbie Mullins, the 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 whistleblower, if you like. It was revealed that he'd, he'd never even been on a plane in, in the series, in the show. He he went to uh, an Italian restaurant while he was staying with Matthew Collins and his young children, and he didn't know anything on the menu. He he, he was his his experiences of life and certain cuisines was so narrowed that in an Italian restaurant he looked at the menu and didn't didn't know what to order. So it, it sort of just uh, yeah shed light on national actions. Um, activities um and actually they're quite brutal uh views towards what you'd expect see, see, I, I suppose with those, those things it just goes to show that people always focus on the wrong things if i may say um I, I, yeah i i i i'm always kind of confused by that it's just like when you hear people talking about americans who have never left america it's like yeah because america has everything it's such a giant place it's like so some people have no interest in leaving their village and i find that okay it's only in the last 50 60 years in the last couple of generations that it became common to actually leave the country um, I know my my mum, for example, before she met my dad, had never left the country, and my yeah. grandparents had never left. I mean, my granddad actually you know doing national service um, in in Egypt for a couple of years, but my granny never left. Mm. Um, obviously, um, eating avocados and kimchi is a modern thing, so I wouldn't read too much into that in terms of um, as trying to trying to get something you know get at um, the issue by by how firmly cemented they are in, in, in Britain and um their and their local town, their local pub. Um, no, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but you well you you see his resentment grow because if you're like him, you're you you're you're from a place with Widness, I believe that's how you pronounce it. Again, he's not had many life opportunities. He's not had the benefits that he's seen perhaps around him. And I think Again, I might not be one hundred percent on this, but he was he was uh, in a trade of some sort, and he had to go to Bradford or Bolton, I think it was, and he he saw um, I think he saw some Muslims there and stuff like that, and someone mentioned something to him about Muslims or whatever, and it sort of planted a seed in his head, and his sort of lack of exposure to diversity meant that he could sort of retreat into this narrow-minded. Um, sort of view on things which an organisation like National Action can exploit on. And these areas, are, are, I think they're sort of breeding ground for that kind of extremism. Well, um, in terms of someone, well, you, you and I can both um, attest to this. We grew up in a very small town. Um, very white, and, very white. Well, town. it was 100% white. Our childhood, um, black people or um 
Indians, for example, just didn't exist. They're, they're like, I, I, you'd only ever see someone black in our, in our local town if you went up to London for the weekend. Um, you'd, you'd never see anyone like our school. We're always our schools were always one hundred percent white, um, and so but it didn't turn us into um, violent um, neo um, fascists. What I'd say, South, South, South Suffolk's not Lancashire. True, true. Um, but what I'd say in terms of what could drive some to that, um, I, again, I, I think these things become extremely simplistic. Um, that you know, he saw he saw a Muslim once. And you know that 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 sent him over the edge, and it starts you know it starts to boil over a bit. I, I think um, you can definitely read in. I think first it comes from resentment. Um, if you are someone like him, probably like many many white um, white working class boys at the moment, um, he obviously um, didn't have many opportunities. Um, but he failed school. Come, he came from a working class background, no doubt, as well, which meant that in Britain, there's no aspiration to climb any higher and you blame everyone else for your problems. That's not true. Um, well, it's something uniquely British that you, you basically you basically stay where you're born. Um, especially nowadays, it, it seems, you know, the idea of social climbing is, is, is not a particularly British thing. It's more of an American thing that you can basically, you, you can be sweeping the streets one day and then within two weeks you can blink your eyes and become president. Individual aspiration is a, is a British thing. I think it's part of the reason why the Conservative Party have been able to be so successful is the Labour Party refused to play into that notion. But, well, no, well, but so what I'd say to that is that these are people that look and think that living is pretty hopeless and that I have no doubt they think that people who come in from abroad um, tend to have more opportunities than, than they do and then they become resentful of that fact. Now, one can debate whether that's right or wrong. I don't, I, 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 my heart tells me that um, that is wrong, but at the same time, um, it goes some way in, um, to understand why people become so, resent, uh, so resentful knowing that they never had any opportunities, their kids didn't, probably their grandparents were minors and they look um, south, uh, southwards and see that people are uh, economically much better off. Um, and that's where, you, where it can probably begin. And also, I think at a time when um, the Brexit debate was so fragile and so virulent and so vociferous, um, people then discovered the element of nationalism once again and so a form of nationality um, that is both a blessing and a curse, like all things. Mm. Um, and Do you think Brexit has relevance here in this? Well, of course. I mean, um, Brexit and Joe, Con Joe Cox are definitely linked. Yeah. Um, I think the um, rising tensions over the, year, over the years, probably from the early 2000s, um, rolling on to 2016, um, were allowed to come out a little bit, were allowed to leave their cave. And it meant that people felt um, certainly more empowered and um, more justified in becoming more aggressive, as both sides were. Um, hence why people started beating each other in the streets. Um, very uncivilized. Well, I do, I do, I do just think that I do just think it's worth noting that I think this sort of from 2016, sort of pioneered by the Brexit vote, we did see that wave of right-wing populism, if you like, particularly uh, here in the UK with Trump, uh, not Trump, Boris Johnson, in America with Trump, in Brazil with Bolsonaro. But I, I think when when I saw this documentary, it made not doc, I keep calling it a documentary. When I saw this drama, it really made me think that this group national action is it's it's a different ball game to to that 
you know, it's well, obviously, I'm, I mean, I mean, um, I'm fortunate enough. Well, if fortunate, I live close to Cable Street where the mural is, and um, whether you know where they um, have done a giant graffiti on the side of um, the the local registry office of um, when Sir Oswald Oswald um, Mosey came down mm. to start basically beating up the Jews. Um, you're always going to have violent thugs who are going to attach themselves. You can't do anything about it. I suppose um, what's so worrying is that I've no doubt that there are many more attacks that we don't know about. In the same way, there are hundreds of thousands. There, there are hundreds um, of um, Islamic extremists who are plotting to, to behead um, Liz Trust as we speak. These things, sadly, are normal. Um, yeah. But I, I think what happened with Joe Cox is it actually became a reality. And yeah, um, I, think, I think, sorry, on Joe Cox, if you've mentioned it before, it's, it's really important to note that Joe Cox was murdered not by a member of National Action. It was a, technically the phrase is lone wolf. And he, yes, he yeah. had mental difficulties. However, what is significant in that Joe Cox murder is National Action's response in <laughs> which they tweeted after it happened, only 649 to go. Yeah, so, they, yeah, yeah. so they glorified it and they they celebrated the death. Well, I mean, what, what, what you remember? It's like I'm orcs. Do you know what I mean? They just they just using these aren't these aren't people you take seriously. I agree, um, and I also think I also don't think that in terms of Brexit or whatever, people have got to fear that they're on the rise because national action was actually born out of the demise of the British National Party, which was yeah, of course. It was a political party, is what I'm trying to say, and it it did stand in elections and it tried to win hearts and minds, if you like. When that dream became pretty impossible, particularly after Nick Griffin's infamous appearance on Question Time, the group proceeds and resorts to direct action, which we've previously, well, you certainly have previously criticised in in our last discussion about Just Stop Oil. Yeah, well, I'd say... Um... When it comes to to these people, um, provided they're given the right to speak freely and openly, um, it's you know I'm I'm realistically um, okay. Um, in terms, of, um, what I mean by that is, you can't even though they have particularly repugnant views, you can't stop them. And the one thing that um, the um, infamous appearance of Nick Griffin on Question Time, what's that, an ace, I think. Um, yeah, fair um, demonstrated was those once these people, once these once people, um, people, you know, ordinary members of the public have the opportunity to look at them and actually see what they have to say, and these people automatically start to become more popular. Um, so for me, it's like, yeah, I, I'm the, the, the rise of the far right is a bit of a Mehon. Yeah, I, I mean, it's not quite true. I, I, I see um, the modern left as far more violent and certainly far more willing to use violence. Well, Jay, um, that's, that's a bit of a bit of a. No, yeah. no, no, no. It's true. Like you know, you can't point to the modern left historically having a tradition of assassination or killing people. The, no, as, as, as I said, the, as I said, the mod, the modern left. Um, but like the, the, these are people who, in terms of free speech and stuff like that, granted. But in terms of physical um, attacks, I'm not sure. Yeah, um, a a so-called um, Bernie. This has obviously nothing to do with Bernie Sanders in America, but a so-called you know a so-called Bernie Sanders fan, and went and started shooting a bunch of um, Republican congressmen at a charity American football game a few years ago. 
Um, it's also worth noting that also that Black Lives Matter a couple of years ago started rioting in the streets of America and caused over a billion dollars worth of damage. Um, that's violent extremism. Okay. Um, but what I would say to that is you've jumped from the UK to America and your your point about the Bernie Sanders. Fine, fine, fine. fine. Um, but, but just on this, because we, we run out of time, just to, to sort of conclude this whole discussion, the, the man who planned to kill Rosie Cooper, Jack Renshaw, was uh, sent down for grooming young boys and attempt to kill. And just for context, he had bought a 19-inch machete and had done extensive research on how to cut the jugular artery, which was his overall ambition um, with Rosie Cooper. Um, and thanks to the bravery of Robbie Mullen and alerting, who alerted Hope Not Hate and Matthew Collins, who, who got involved with the police, this this murder was was stopped. Um, and just on yeah, that, Jake, I think, I think uh, to people who haven't watched it, it's well worth a watch. It's a it's a very interesting drama starring Stephen Graham, who's brilliant as Matthew Collins, and uh, I think that uh, concludes. Our- no, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Because two quick five round, two quick five questions. Um, will Liz Truss says on the eighteenth of October? Will Liz Truss make it to Christmas? No, no. Good answer. Uh, and will Boris Johnson come back as the Conservative electorate wants? Maybe. See you next time. Perfect. See you next time. Bye-bye.